It is about us as parents, starting from the age of two, when we speak about body parts, when we speak about privacy, when we speak about comfortable and uncomfortable touching, that we start to have these ongoing, very natural conversations with our children. And then, yes, there's that big conversation about sexual intercourse, and that's best done between the ages of seven and nine. But as parents, we're perfectly positioned to talk to our children not only about the biology, but also about the, the psychological, the spiritual, the emotional aspects of sexual intimacy. That was our guest, Christy Herselman, speaking about the natural and healthy conversations that parents can have with their children surrounding sexuality and what was actually purposed for us by God when he designed sex as a sacred act between husband and wife. We want parents to know that it's their responsibility to initiate those conversations and to keep the communication lines open. This is Focus on the Family with your host, Graham Schnell. Alison, I think the talk is a conversation most parents think of with fear and trepidation. There's something scary about talking honestly about the birds and the bees with children, anticipating awkward questions they may ask. And yet it shouldn't be scary because we're talking about something beautiful, something God designed. I know, absolutely. The act of sex is a private and intimate thing, but the subject, the design, is something beautiful. It's not shameful. And if we don't speak to our kids about it, someone else is going to. Yeah, definitely. Well, here to encourage us in being intentional about having these kinds of conversations is Christy Herselman. Christy founded a movement called The Chat, which exists to start conversations and impart accurate information around issues like sex, identity, social media, and pornography. She's also recently published a book called The Chat, Birds, Bees, and Destinies. Christy, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. <laughs> well, let's jump in. Why, why do you think it is that parents are fearful about talking about sex, you know, having the chat with their children? I think there's a couple of reasons. The first reason is for most of us, our parents didn't talk to us. It's a very small exception um, of people my age um, that say, no, my mom spoke to me and my dad spoke to me. They were very open. Uh, They told me about how beautiful it was and um, how powerful it is. Most of us at best had a book given to us (laughs) and at worst, absolutely nothing was said. And so when something's not done well in our childhood, it's sometimes hard for us as parents to do it well with our kids. So I think that's the first reason. And I think the second reason is that our sexual landscape that we find ourselves in is such a minefield. Mm. I think sex, two things have kind of happened to it on the one side and mostly in church circles, it's been shamed. It's something we don't talk about. Mm. It's something um, you abstain from until you're married. And of course, we agree with that, but there's the shame attached to it when when there's Mm. silence around it. And then on the other side is uh, where anything goes, the hookup culture, Mm. gender reclassification, um, a lack of moral absolutes in our society where parents are looking at this thinking, I don't even know where to start. Mm. Yes. Mm. So it's either this incredibly silent, secret, shameful thing that's almost seen as bad and wrong, Mm. or it's this this minefield, as you say, of danger and mm. uncertainty. Tell us a little bit about your your experience and, and what prompted you um, to, to tackle this issue and actually start a movement uh, to help parents really tackle this issue. Well, actually, it started for that specific reason. I was at a birthday party yeah. 
one of my daughter's friends was turning seven. So my daughter was in grade one. And some of the moms were standing around and one of the parents said, have you spoken to your daughter about sex? And now all our daughters were six turning seven and none of us had occurred, had thought that this conversation would come up yet. And so there was this vast range of emotions and none of them positive. Mm -hmm. So on one side, there was indifference where some of the moms were saying things like, she'll find out how she finds out. Um, Mm -hmm. It's no big deal. And then on the other side was the the terror, the thing of I cannot possibly engage in that conversation with my children. And I have a background in journalism and in teaching and I love to research. So I said to these moms, let me go away Mm -hmm. and find out what we're supposed to be doing. And that's where I first came across the phrase eight is too late, which is the, the, the truth of the matter is that if you're not speaking to your children about sex by the time they're eight, they will have heard a version, maybe not the whole Mm -hmm. story, but they'll have heard a a version somewhere else. And so I did some research. We got together in one of our lounges over a couple of Tuesday nights and we laughed a lot. We blushed a lot and we just figured out what to do. And Did all where, those same moms join you for that? Those moms at that birthday party came? Though, yeah, those and more. There <laughs> and was more. about 20 of us okay. squashed into this lounge. And that's, that's actually the first moment where I realized that parents are desperate to be equipped in this area. Yeah. Because we may be scared. We may not know what to do. But we, we know that especially in the sexual landscape, we find our children today, there's a new imperative to talk to them. Mm. And there's very few resources out there. But this is something that parents really, really do want to get right. Yeah, yeah. And, and why is it so important? I think of that indifferent mom who said, oh, she'll find out some way or another. Just speaking to that issue of why it's so important for us as the parents to be the ones that are engaging early on with our kids on this issue. Um, a couple of different reasons. The The first reason is something called the law of first mention. So that basically means that the first time we encounter something often becomes the grid through which our children will view it. Yeah. So say um, at two, a child is bitten by a dog. Often mm-hmm. that puts a fear of dogs into them, and then they view dogs as this fearful, fearsome creature. Mm-hmm. But if the introduction to dogs is a cute little Labrador puppy, <laughs> they'll, they'll understand how dogs operate and and learn to love them and and then that will be their grid same with sex if our children's first view of sex is a healthy wholesome beautiful version um deposited in them over time by their parents Mm. that becomes their grid for when they do encounter the ugly the distorted um the version that is not god's way of of doing it uh, so that's what we that is why we as parents need to do it. And then the second reason is because talking about sex is not about one marathon conversation. Mm. Some parents say they'll find out an LO. But no, it is about us as parents, starting from the age of two, when we speak about body parts, when we speak about privacy, when we speak about comfortable and uncomfortable touching, that we start to have these ongoing, very natural conversations with our children. And then, yes, there's that big conversation about sexual intercourse, and that's best done between the ages of seven and nine. But as parents, we're perfectly positioned to talk to our children not only about the biology, but also about the the psychological, the spiritual, the emotional aspects of sexual intimacy, and also to deposit in our children a vision for their lives. And it's not just about do's and don'ts, but it's about putting in their hearts a vision for what they want for their future in terms of marriage and in Mm -hmm. terms of relationships. Mm -hmm. So a desire to protect what is precious rather than just a bunch of facts and a bunch of do's and don'ts, which is what they'll get if we wait for them to hear it at school. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. 
You talked about that phrase, eight is too late. And now you've hit on this, starting early. Give us some of those guidelines. You've said too, you already start talking about body um, and just different parts and how boys and girls are made differently. Uh, what are some of the kind of steps that you would take on that journey to get to, well, never, I suppose you never get to a point because actually you're, even through the teenage years, you want to be in that open conversation ongoingly with your kids um, and have a, have trust there so that they can talk to you and engage you as well. But what are some of the the kind of milestones as you would as you would have it? Um, so yes, definitely to start early. I always I always encourage parents keep it natural. Yeah, it's not about sitting them down and having this one marathon conversation because if you do that, you'll do one of two things: you'll wait too long, and they'll already know, mm. or you'll just overwhelm them with too sure. much information too soon. Yeah. So to start, as I said, two to three, pretty curious about their body parts and those of others, especially the opposite sex. So to talk to them about privacy, to use the correct names. Mm. This is really hard, especially in specific cultural context to actually say mm. penis and vagina. Are re- it's really, yeah. really hard for parents yeah. because our parents didn't do that. But to use flowery um, language around it is, is to attach an element of shame to it. Because why do we call our elbow our el- elbow? Our mm. nose, our nose, but we don't use the the correct names. So correct yeah. names for body parts, and then the fact that we cover um, our private areas that they're private, that they're not for touching excessively for other people to mm. touch, and then moving on to there, uh, from there to kind of that um, three to five, we call them the magical thinkers, and yeah, they often curious about the facts of life, uh, how babies made, where do they come from. So there you start to talk about the ovum and the sperm. And again, stick to the biological terms because I've had a couple of incidents where parents have spoken about the egg and the kids immediately picture a chicken's egg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why you'll see in my book, it's the ovum and the sperm. And yeah. they come together inside mom's uterus and they grow until uh, for nine months until they're ready to come out. And then they come out through mom's vagina and just very, yeah. um, very natural. Yeah. And then from there, you move on to the more complex questions when they are kind of seven to nine, mm. this is where they're widely curious about yeah. these things and they want facts and they want information. <laughs> How exactly does How that? exactly <laughs> does that <laughs> sperm get from dad <laughs> to mom? And this is actually why I wrote the book because yeah. it's quite an awkward conversation and yeah. even the boldest parents get overwhelmed and tongue-tied yeah. in this. And so... I found a book very helpful. And again, to read it as a bedtime story, to say, tonight Mm. I'm going to read you a special book. Mm. We've spoken about these things as you've been growing up, and this is a very special conversation. I always tell parents to discourage playground talk because this is information Mm. for our family. Every family has the right to talk about it when Mm. they are ready. And then, yeah, so then you talk about things like... And when you say playground talk, you're meaning you don't want them to be talking about these things with their friends at school. Exactly. So, yeah, I just mean that when mom tells you how babies are made, you don't then go and tell all your friends how babies are made. And I had this experience when Emily was about five or six. Uh, She came home from church and said to me, (laughs) Mom, did you know that a mom and dad's private parts have to touch (laughs) to make a baby? (laughs) Well, I hadn't hadn't (laughs) practiced my chat face yet, which I'm really good at now. And I said to her, yes, you are completely right. But when you're a bit bigger, we're going to have that conversation because it's a very, very incredible conversation and I want to make sure you're ready. Yeah. And that's also an important thing is that when when questions come that we either don't feel like our children are ready for or we 
don't feel equipped to answer that we say to our children, I'm going to talk to you about that yeah. when you're ready or I'm mm. going to go and find out and I'm going to mm. come back to you. And then we do. Yeah, that's good. Keeping those lines of communication. Always. Open. And Bill, yeah. I say to parents, your mission is to establish yourself as the trusted experts in sexual things. Mm. So you want to answer those questions. The other day um, we were in the car and Emily was with her friend in the back seat. And Emily said to me, Mom, what does it feel like when you have sex? And so I'm now really good at my chat face. So <laughs> I said to her, darling, we're not going to talk about that now, but I promise we'll talk about it later because, again, you don't want to be educating your children's friends. Yes. <laughs> Their parents want to educate them. <laughs> and that evening I said to her, remember you asked me that question in the mm. car? Mm. Well, actually, sex is a beautiful way for a husband and wife to show their love to each other in marriage. And so it actually feels really lovely. Mm. And God did that so that it would bond moms and dads together in mm. a very strong way. Yeah. And so that's just an example of answer their questions, because if we don't answer their questions, someone else is going to answer yes. them yeah. because they want to know. Kids are so, so curious mm. and we want to be the ones that they come to. And we want to build those safe spaces in our homes where any questions mm. and um, there's no shame. There's always unconditional love yeah. and we, we negotiate and we navigate those things. Yeah. So after that seven to nine age group, we, yeah, often their questions will come up around why so-and-so not got a baby and they're not married. Because often sure. we will have had a, had a conversation about God's ways that a mom and dad will get married and then they'll mm. have children. And then we talk about those things. We talk about different things, that, different scenarios that happen. And always we talk, talk about them without judgment of other people because we're always talking in love. And yeah. we always, we're talking about our values and what we believe is God's way of doing things without bringing any judgment on anyone else. Mm. And so we can have those kinds of conversations. And then it's often, how does a baby get out such a small hole? And yeah. all those very interesting questions come up. And I ideally don't want to be having the chat with a tween because at yeah. this stage, sex is disgusting and you're disgusting for wanting to talk to me about sex, yeah. but you just yeah. keep quiet. <laughs> and so trying to bring the book yeah. in love and courage into this space is a lot harder. Yeah. It, it works. I've got lots of, um, my, my daughter's now 11, and lots of the moms from her class have bought my book and used it and yeah. said, thank you. It's been like a get out of jail free card for me. But at this age, they do start to become more private about their okay. bodies. There's yeah. so many changes going on. There's the emotions that mm. we know about from our girls. There we need to be talking about puberty. We need to be talking about periods with our boys mm. and our girls. Mm. Christy, just with regards to your book, we read the book with our girls. And, of course, they're varying ages, 10, 9, and 6. And I'd actually had the conversation before with them in the car the one day because I think it came up. And so I casually just moved into this conversation, which I thought was quite handy because I was mm. facing the front and <laughs> they were just listening in the back. And so we chatted a little bit and had this conversation and they were going, oh, oh, no, that's gross, you know. So those were their reactions, but they took it. My eldest daughter clearly remembered it. My middle daughter, obviously not. So when we brought out this book, she said, You've never told me about this before. And I said, I have. Maybe you've forgotten about that conversation. So it was really good that we were now talking about this again. But my oldest daughter, being the tween, well, she's 10, she just said, oh, no, you're going to talk about sex. Oh, no, please don't. You know, so they're reacting in that way. What do we do? How do we, you know, I'm, and I'm going, but you don't need to react like that. It's a beautiful thing. And we're just trying to encourage them not to have a bad view of it. But how do we deal with them 
uh, at that age where they really do believe it is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an awkward age all around, actually, the tween years. Um, it's the most anxious mm phase of life where okay. you're constantly measuring yourself against other people. Do I fit in? Do I belong? What do I believe about this? What do I think about this? And so, yeah, they're very self-aware and very self-conscious. And that's why they're so awkward about sex. And I think in this age, we need to not overload them. Mm. This is where we need to be available. Hopefully we've done all the, the groundwork and our kids know that they can come to us yeah. and we can ask them questions um, that actually open up conversations with them that they can, when, when they do encounter something at school, they know that they can come to us. Yeah. Mm. Um, but we don't want to become that droning voice that's constantly talking about it. They just, yeah. you know, shut us out. But I think it is important that we create these spaces for our children to, because they're hearing so much at school and they need to be able to process it in a healthy way. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine's son, who's the same age, also he's grade five, so he's 10 turning 11. They read the book with their younger son, who's in grade three, and and then they thought, well, let's just read it with our older boy as well. And so... They got onto his bed, the mom and the dad, and then the little brother peeped around the corner and he clambered on the bed and they read the book. And then the older boy, because you'll see that it is, this is why it needs to be an ongoing conversation. Your mm. daughter didn't remember. Yeah. And often they remember some, but don't mm. remember all. Mm. So you need to kind of be helping them process it. Mm. So this 10 year old, his question to his dad was, how does the penis get into the vagina? Yeah. So he had to talk to him about <laughs> erections and, and all these things. And so he had this light bulb moment. He was like, oh, that's what a boner is. <laughs> so he, especially, <laughs> especially at boys' school, there's so much sexual lingo yeah. thrown around yeah. that he didn't know what that meant. But I guarantee he's used it a few times yeah. Yeah. because that's what boys say. And yeah. that's what his friends are saying. And so even though it was awkward for him, his parents created the space where he could now put context yes. into something. Yes. And then the, uh, another version, which is not as as helpful, well, it's very unhelpful, is um, also at a boys' school, this little boy was, they were calling him gay boy because he's, he's quite a, a theatrical, and just boys, you know, they throw these mm. words around. And so he didn't know what it meant. And so he went home and he looked on the internet. Mm. And so you can imagine mm. the found? porn that he came across. Mm. Oh, and so we want our children to come home, and he was a tween as well, to come home and go, Mom, what's a gay boy? Mm. And so then you can have those conversations with them. Yeah. The internet cannot be our sexual education no. class, and mm. especially the tweens. Pornography is the worst case scenario, but even social media is highly sexualized. Yes. You become a commodity online. It's about likes, it's about shares, and actually a lot of that is about how sexy you look, how mm. beautiful you look, how, how your abs look in mm. your baggies, you know, mm. if you're a boy. And it's very sexualized. And so, especially in those tween contexts, it's becoming more and more important that we, mm. that we create space for conversation. And even yeah. looking at social media and saying, what do you think of that photograph? Why is that girl sticking her tongue out in that photo? Do you know what it means to stick your tongue out in a photo? Having mm. those, because our kids, we remember as teens, we often did stuff just because everyone else was doing it and we didn't want to be awkward. Yeah. Yeah. But actually we didn't really know what we were doing. So that's yeah. why it's all about the safe space. And if we're building that safe space from little, yeah. it's much easier yes. when those awkward tween times come along yeah. that they 
they will come to us. Yeah. Our kids, one of our kids even asked, now we're we talking about sex. And so then they said, but then what does sexy mean? You know, <laughs> open up a whole new conversation there. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's important that we, we know what they're asking. Yeah. Um, because yeah. sometimes we assume we know what they're asking. Mm. I had a, a friend who, she was at the Department of Home Affairs. They were applying for some documentation. And so they were in quite a long queue. And the little girl just looked up at her mom and said, Mom, what is sex? Uh, yeah. And she was like, okay, I've got time. I may as well embark on this courageous conversation. And so she did her absolute best talk. Yeah. And at the end, she thought, gosh, I did quite well. And, yeah. and she looked down at her daughter and said, do you have any questions? And her daughter picked up the, the um, application for the identity document uh, yeah. and said, so where it says sex, yeah. F or M, what does that yeah, mean? I'm going to have to write a long thing here. <laughs> So, yes, make sure we know what our children are asking and that we can give um, appropriate answers. And sometimes they ask us things that we don't think they're ready for. And I think it's okay to say those mm-hmm. are important conversations and we will come back to them. And also asking them where they heard something. What, mm-hmm. was, the, what was the context? How, mm-hmm. how was that word said? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can help yeah. them yeah. process it. How important is it to to model a healthy marriage in the mix of teaching your kids about healthy sexuality? Because essentially you're saying this is a beautiful thing. It's designed by God uh, and it really is his gift to us within the context of marriage. Um, but there's another part, I think, to it, and that's modeling that healthy marriage that they associate those two together. Because if their experience is this thing is created for for that, but that doesn't look so healthy. Uh, they could make that connection as well. Absolutely. It's so, so important. Um, I always say to parents, if we are going to pass a healthy legacy of sexuality onto our children, we need to first be whole and be yeah. healthy. Uh, because a lot of us carry wounds, we carry um, experiences from the past that we then take into our marriages, that we take into our parenting. And of course, we, we're all on a, a lifelong journey. But modeling is incredibly, incredibly important because you can't create a safe space if you're taking your baggage into that safe space. Yeah. And so definitely in marriage, it is highly, highly important that the fathers get in on the conversation. Mm. Um, it's, fathers carry authority in the home. And we as moms know that sometimes we'll say something 10 times and the dad says it once and suddenly the, parents, the kids are like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things, one of those unfair things in life. Um, and so it's really important. I mean, Brad read a book to my daughter. It was one of my highlights. It was hilarious because Brad is really private. Yeah. And I'd read the book the night before. Um, to Emily and she like barged into the bathroom the, the following night when I was showering and said I want dad to read it to me tonight so I was like, oh, really? <laughs> <Okay>. awesome <laughs> so I, I gave it to her well I told her where it was and like the grown up adult that I am I got in my towel and I eavesdropped by the door <laughs> to see how this would go down and um, I just heard him read this book page by page get yeah. to the really tricky parts and just keep going yeah. reading this and he loves to read to our kids so it was just yeah. like a bedtime story and then he kissed her goodnight switched off the lights and afterwards I said gosh babe that was incredible I'm, I'm very impressed yeah. Yeah. and he said sure I just kept looking at her and she was fine. So I just kept going. (laughs) And that was a moment for them. You know, that was a moment where the dad said sex is a beautiful thing. Mm. And with our boys, Brad took them camping Mm. and they fished and they surfed and they kayaked and they built a fire. And then lying in the tent that night, he said, boys, I've got something I want to tell you about. And he Mm. told them about sex. Part of life, 
something beautiful, something profound, but something natural mm. and something um, very, very important. So it's very important that it's part of our family life and yeah. part of conversations in the car, conversations on the kitchen counter, conversations mm. in the bath where for yeah. the 10th time your daughter takes a tampon out the bathroom cupboard and goes, Mommy, what's this? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we've we all had those conversations. <laughs> but then, yes, also in our relationships. And the mm. reality is some families are mom, dad, children some are single parents mm. but it's important that we model healthy sexuality mm. so that that our marriages if we're having tough marriages that we get help well christy herselman author of the book the chat birds bees and destinies thank you so much for being with us on focus on the family we appreciate all that you're doing to make this sometimes difficult topic accessible to parents thank you so much christy i've really enjoyed having this conversation it's been wonderful thanks for having me I really think Christy has stepped into a gap with her desire to educate parents and to help them find the confidence and know-how of talking about sex with their children. I think most parents struggle with the question of, how on earth am I going to have an open and honest conversation about sex with my kids? But after hearing what Christy had to say, I hope you'll be equipped and bold enough to broach the subject with your child. And if you want to have the right tools in hand as you embark on those conversations, you'll definitely need a copy of Christie's book called The Chat. It is so beautifully written and it'll help you to cover the most important aspects in a story format. You'll find it online at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300 to order. This program is one of our best of the best from last year. We're airing our top programs from last year, this month, and we've also created a top 50 broadcast collection on our Focus Africa app. So if you don't yet have the app, I would encourage you to download it today. Thanks for listening in today. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.